Good afternoon. Good afternoon to the rest of you. All right, I feel like it was the same people that said good afternoon twice. That's Christianity. I love because he loves me. And I live because he lives. If you have a Bible, please open to the book of Acts. We're going to be looking at one verse today, chapter 2, verse 42. I'm going to go ahead and read verse 42 all the way down to verse 47, though. Um, and then I'll pray and we'll jump in. This is the best part of the sermon. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul. Many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together, breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. The Lord added to their number, day by day, those who were being saved. Dear saints, this is God's word. Thanks be to God. Hope this is not distracting for you before I pray. If you're wondering, why are we in Acts 2? Um, for those of this church, you understand that a time of transition is on the horizon for the Davises. And just as a pastor, I am trying to use my uh, last messages with you. Uh, just to try to impart some spiritual benefit of, of uh, yeah, pastoral significance, I hope, and help to you. So probably going to be doing all topical messages from here on out. So just like, what is this about? Is this the series keep going? Nope, this is just Pastor Brian talking to RCF. Uh, let me pray. Oh, dear Lord, we thank you so much for the Lord Jesus. We thank you that he loves us. Thank you that we were loved, though we were unlovely, though we are unlovely still. But your love is constant and steadfast. You love us like no one else loves us. We're fickle with it. We reserve love. We restrict love. We choke love. But you show love. You show love to us when we were at our lowest, our vilest, our most rugged. And because of that, we have everything. Oh, we want to love you. We want to do just as Pastor Valter exhorted us. We want to delight ourselves in you. You are delightful. We want to delight in you. We want to be said of us as a descriptive of us that awe was on every soul. Oh, this is a blessing that you must give. We ask that you would give it. Oh, dear Lord, sanctify us in the truth. Your word is true. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, saints, he is risen. Yeah, that rocked me on Easter. I'm like, I'm going to say that every Sunday. I don't know why we do that once a year. That's some of the best news in the world. He is risen. He's risen. It changes everything, right? Well, we're, we're going to be talking about, you might have noticed the title might be strange, Some Means of Grace. I hope to explain that a little bit further. Uh, before we get into a couple things that we just really must know about this passage of Scripture, and that is that this, uh, there's a couple things you have to be convinced of to really get Christianity. There's a lot you have to be convinced of, right? You must know who Jesus is. You must believe the gospel. Uh, you must believe all the things associated with the faith once for all delivered to the saints. I think one of the things that's most left out of that collection of things we must understand to rightly live out the Christian faith is that it is by nature communal. Christianity is a family matter. It is a family matter. 
And if you don't understand that, you're just not going to understand a lot of the Bible. But when you understand that, it, it makes how we're supposed to live out our faith make sense. Uh, in the late 80s, 1989 to be precise, uh, family sitcom Family Matters came on air, right? Uh, there's uh, a lot of family shows. We seem to have an infatuation with peering in on other families and just watching them. Uh, this is Leave it to Beaver, right? The Cosbys, Fresh Prince, uh, Family Matters. And you could go on. That's, they will keep going. Shows about this is us, right? Shows about families. And it resonates because we all, like, we get the family thing. If you're alive, it's, there was a family. Uh, and we, we have broken families. We have, uh, by God's grace, that we have a Christian household. Some of us experience a Christian family. Um, but we, we have this, this fascination with families. Uh, it, it's, it's, it's really dope to look at the Bible because in the Bible, we see a, a beautiful picture of God's family. Uh, not to entertain us, right, but to edify us, right? We're not supposed to look in on Acts, particularly the early church. It's, it's, a, it's a picture of God's family. We get to watch episodes of God's family, not to be entertained, but to be edified. Uh, you know, in the family theme, just to slightly switch analogies, but to stay in the same category, uh, there's, there's a lot of romantic comedies made about families. So you know the story, right? Boy meets girl. Girl and boy, as Pastor Voucher said, fall in love. Just for the record, though, that's an unhelpful category as you think about marriage. Don't think about falling in or falling out. If you're married, you're committed to love until you die. Amen? Can't fall out of that. Um, but you know the story, boy meets girl. They have a relationship. They start to pledge their love for each other. And then it's the big, we got to meet the family. And there's a whole section back in the day at Blockbuster. It would have been rows of uh, romantic comedies. What happens when you meet the family? You find out, man, the, the person I like, I don't know that I like all they come with. I don't like all the people they come with. And the reason that's an important step is we know if you're going to love someone, you got to love all the people that come with that someone. That's, that's a... That's part of committing to love them. You got to love all their family, and their family got to love you. Well, bringing it back, I think, to God's family. What's, 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 what's wonderful is this is not a romantic comedy, right? Praise God. Uh, there's some strange situations that happen in the Christian church. Uh, but God ensures that us coming to meet Christ and that same love we feel for him spilling over to everybody he's connected with, God ensures that that continues, that that's clear. Uh, that the kind of confusion and lack of affection that we see when we look at families in the world, when we think through families as it relates to, to, to marriages, the kind of confusion that happens when you meet not just the, the person you might like but and everybody they're connected with, the kind of confusion that's connected to that is not supposed to apply or give any precedent in the local church. God ensures that all his people love all his family. Uh, he, and he does this by giving us all new hearts, new affections. He gives us all his spirit. He gives us all the same gospel, unites us all in the same head. Uh, and he, he ensures to lead us all in the same direction. When God makes a Christian, he ensures that every Christian loves the family and that the family loves every Christian. That's what marks a Christian community. Uh, this is one of the big points of the Apostle John's letter. 1 John 3, 14. We know that we have passed from death to life. He's saying we know that we've been saved. We know that we've been transformed. He says one of the mains we know this, he says, we know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brothers. Because we love the family. Whoever does not abide in death, he says. This is what salvation coming to a soul looks like, right? When we're not authorized to proclaim that people are in the kingdom who do not walk affectionately accountable to a Christian church. You're not authorized to make that assessment. 
that they're in. We're supposed to say, well, do they love the family? It's actually completely inappropriate and unhelpful to lost people's souls for us to have a conversation with somebody about the gospel. They momentarily respond favorably and then us give them some assurance of salvation even though there is no demonstrated affection for or accountability to the church, the people of God. Because that's how salvation looks in the Bible. It's actually, normally, looks like people getting saved into God's family. They get saved and brought into a, a church. They get saved into the community of the saints. New life was made obvious within the new community. The salvation appeal isn't, hey, go and follow the Lord on your own. It's actually, hey, come and follow the Lord with us. As Jesus told the disciples as he was readying them for his departure, remember he told them, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you're mine. They'll know that you're my disciples, that you're following me if you have love for the other ones who follow me. And we see even in Jesus' very own words the convincing proof of our Christianity is, is, is in how we live among the Christian community. Right? The compelling draw of our gospel invitation is viewed by Jesus in connection with our Christian love within the people of God. And that's why we shouldn't be surprised to see what we see in Acts. It's no surprise that this community of people who had been saved by the same gospel, we're now living as the same body. Now we're told in Acts 2, 46, that it was their daily practice, right, day by day, to worship the Lord together. Because we're family. And God has designed that his people grow within the context of his family. F.F. Uh, Bruce, who's, who's a commentator, he writes, the conviction of sin that followed Peter's preaching was no momentary panic, but it filled people with a long-lasting sense of awe. Uh, something we see described even in verse 43. Similarly, right, their, their commitment to follow Jesus wasn't just a spur-of-the-moment response or it wasn't owed to any emotional pressure. But that commitment shaped the rest of their daily lives immediately and observably because God had done a true and converting work of grace in their lives, so much so that they, they had an entirely new family. We shouldn't misunderstand what we see in Acts 2. This is not a picture of a perfect church. No, this, 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 there's much sin in this church. There's much error in this church much growth needed in this church, but here we find a beautiful picture of Christian community framed in Acts 2. Now, this passage is not prescriptive, but descriptive, right? There, there isn't a, a list of commands about Christianity here, but rather a description of faithful Christianity here. Uh, though the church here is an imperfect picture of total faithfulness, it's still a snapshot of true faithfulness, even at the foundations of the church. And this is why we and saints have historically looked to this text as containing an example for us to imitate. We, 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 we cannot imitate all. We don't have any apostles doing signs and wonders. We may not sell all of our belongings and distribute them all, lest we all have nowhere to live together. The spirit is deeply imitatable, though. And in some sense, don't you want this to be true of us? Let me read it again. They devoted themselves, and listen to the they. 
they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. And, the, and just think about if it was true for all of us in here, we did this. Like just, just think about it. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul. Many sun, wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together, had all things in common. And they were selling their positions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together, breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God, having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Saints have historically looked at this passage with longing and a desire to experience some of the grace that this church experienced. We can see in this passage their love and their faith and be instructed by it, even compelled to imitate. We can imitate much from this passage, and we should, especially when we consider the effects all coming upon every soul, them being together with glad and generous hearts, praising God, having favor with everybody, and people getting saved. I think this is how this is held out to us in Acts 2, something to see, appreciate, and imitate. Some of us to understand how the unfolding of God's family, uh, when the gospel came to him, what do Christians do in, as reflex, as a family? Uh, here in this chapter, Jesus has already resurrected. Uh, we know that in chapter 1, before he ascends, he says, be my witnesses. Um, they were like, Jesus, okay, are you going to now, is this the time you're going to restore? And he says, be my witnesses, and he leaves. Now he says he's going to send them help. They were to wait for help, to get power from on high to be his witnesses. And he sends the Holy Spirit, fills the disciples who were waiting, and Peter gets to preach in the gospel. Right? The Holy Spirit falls, Peter starts preaching, and this is what the Holy Spirit-filled congregation did. We know that because of the effect of that. You have the preaching of the uh, gospel by Peter in chapter 2. Then you have the effect of that preaching on the community. Then you have the effect of that community's witness on others. Their wit people are adding to the community. Acts 2 is a, is a picture of a gospel-shaped community. This is... This is, this is who the church reflexively became in response to repenting of sin and believing in the Lord Jesus. This is what it looked like for that group of souls to trust in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Peter preached the same gospel we preach today. A different gospel didn't produce this. Same gospel produced this. Peter held out to those souls the same salvation we hold out to souls today. Acts chapter 2, 23 through 30, uh, um, 23 through 24, excuse me, Peter said, this Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God was crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. But, but God raised him up, loosing the pains of death because it was not possible for him to be held by him. This is according to what he promised in the scriptures. And those who heard it, look how it concludes, verse 37, chapter 2. Now when they heard this, it was cut to the heart. And they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, how do we respond? And Peter said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Christ, for the forgiveness, name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promises for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, save yourselves from the crooked generation. So what it looked like for them to save themselves from the crooked generation was to leave the crooked generation and come in to the community of faith. Verse 40, 41. So those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. The question is, added to Baptized and added. Added to the community of saints, numbered among the believing ones, following Jesus in the fellowship of his church. 
Uh, this is why every time we've done a baptism, the baptizer asks the baptizee these two questions. If you've been at any baptism we've done at RCF, we've asked these two questions to everyone we've baptized. Question number one was, do you make public profession of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ? They say, I do. Question number two, do you embrace Jesus as your Lord, Savior, and treasure? And do you promise by his grace to follow him for the rest of your life in the fellowship of his church, obeying all he calls you to do? And they say, I do. The reason we say that is we think you got to say yes to both parts of that. Someone says yes to the first, no to the second. We're like, we can't affirm that as Christian. I know the saints have always been baptized and added, baptized and added. Jesus says essentially the same thing in what is affectionately called the Great Commission text, right? He says, identify my disciples, baptize them, and then teach them to obey everything I said. And we get a picture for how that work was carried out in the early church. Acts chapter 2. We want to look at this and we want to learn from this and see if there's anything we can imitate in this. And I know in verse 42, there's plenty for us to imitate. The title of the sermon is Some Means of Grace, not The Means of Grace. And the reason it says some is because what we have in verse 42 is not an exhaustive list of the means of grace. When we say means of grace, if that's a new term to you, we're talking about God's appointed methods for producing Christ-likeness and Christ's exaltation in us. So if someone's struggling with Christ-likeness or Christ-exaltation, it's helpful. One of the first places goes like, how you doing in terms of participating in the means? Are you giving yourself to the things that root us? and grow us. Uh, to use Paul's language, means of grace are, are, are methods God has ordained to help us walk in him, to stay rooted in him, to be built up in him, to be established in our faith, to fuel abundant thanksgiving in Christ. Uh, to use Jude's language, means of grace are methods God has provided for us to build ourselves up in this most holy faith and to keep ourselves in the love of God looking and eagerly waiting for the return of Christ. They're, they're God-given exercises that keep our souls fit. Again, we're just going to look at some. Right? I don't think this is an exhaustive list, but these are some things that keep us having a healthy soul. And this is an important thing for you to know just in your Christian life. These are exercises we can never put down. Uh, we know it's not exhaustive because, for instance, there's no mention of singing, which might be included in the apostles' teaching. We, we thought about it earlier for Colossians chapter 3, as Brother Ivan was reading it, teaching uh, words of Christ dwelling you richly, teaching and admonishing one another, singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. It might be implied, but it's not stated, and singing to the Lord is clearly a means of grace. Uh, there's no mention of evangelism, though clearly souls were being added to the number daily, so people were explaining the gospel and holding out the gospel. There's no mention of self-reflection, right, examining ourselves, which we're called to do in the Bible. There's no mention of confession of sin, no mention of repentance, no mention of the many and various areas of service that are possible in any given church community, all of which are means of grace, right? The list could go on. It's a good thing to give yourself to study in the word. Does this root me, build me up, establish me in the faith, produce thanksgiving in the Lord Jesus? It's a, it's a very big category. Oftentimes, people, though, are referring to this passage because this has been cherished by saints throughout years and years as, as, a, as a faithful summary of important means. Right, we do have a succinct summary, though it's inexhaustive, of what the early Christians did in verse 42. The reason I'm focusing on verse 42 is, again, because it, it seems to be at least a succinct summary. Uh, one commentator, John Polhill, thinks that verse 42 is actually a summary statement on its own and should be viewed as a separate conclusion to the Pentecost narrative. 
So we read it the way we do because the way our Bible was broken. It actually feels like a summary to what's, after all that was said and done, this is what they then began to do. Uh, the late pastor James Montgomery Boyce of 10th Presbyterian agrees, right? He, he calls this church in Acts 2 a, a model church for us. And verse 42, he says, is the key verse. Whether you agree or not, I pray that reflecting on these activities is profitable for you. When I got married, I used to wear a large shirt. And now, there is at least one X, sometimes two X's, in front of the large. Uh, when I look at pictures of my younger self, first I think, wow, I, I used to have a whole head of hair. I used to have a nice clean lineup. I look like Jabby Eye, for real. <laughs> Can't wait for God to make all things new. In my mind, I'm a, my hair's going to be like Shaz. Um, but the second thing that usually hits me when I'm looking at an older picture of myself is, wow, <laughs> there are clearly some ways I let myself go. Uh, what I mean by that is I am not as fit as I once was. I won't share numbers. It's not going to bless anybody. Yeah, I'm trying to get right, just so you all know, okay? This is the year to get right. You've been, if you've been here any length of time, every year is the year to get right. But I am trying. I really am trying. I see you. I see that hand. Um, and I can joke about it because it's, it's my body. And um, it's one thing for that to be true of the body. It doesn't have the same eternal weight, right? I'm missing out on some benefit. Right? And I know that. It's another thing, though, for that to happen to our soul. Because it has a very lasting, and by lasting I mean lasting effect. Scripture says if I'm letting my soul go, I'm missing out in every way. You let the body go, you're missing out on some things. You let the soul go, you're missing out in every way. 1 Timothy 4, 8 through 9 says, For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way, as it holds promise for the present life and also for the age to come, the life to come. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. We can't be those who let our souls go. I think in this passage we have an old picture of faithful saints. And it's good for us to look at their spiritual health. I think just examine our own in light of it. So that's what we're going to do. We have listed here 42 things. And in my mind, it's kind of like, a, I envision it like a scale, right? We just want to step on 42 and just see where we're at, you know? Take note, make corrections as needed. Amen? Four points are the four things here. Four things we're, 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 we're going to think about. One we see that they were devoted to the apostles' teachings. They were devoted to being taught the word of God. What a thing to be said of a church. I tell you, and this is what we want said of this church, right? Let me tell you something about RCF. If anything needs to be said of us, may it be, they are devoted to the word being taught. They love to be when it's being taught. They're there when it's being taught. Devoted, right? It, it's a commitment that carries forward a continued focus and intensity. A, a couple translations have it continuing steadfastly. They endured in this. They persevered in this. They constantly gave themselves to this. Devoted to the word together. Remember, this is a family. This is fine for us to think about what we even do privately, but part of what we show in our devotion to Jesus is in how we're devoted to the saints. We want to know how are you among the community? Are you devoted to the word with the community? Right? We want to be devoted to the word together. It's a means of grace. There's something unifying, something that knits our hearts together in love as we sit under the same word. 
with humility as we seek to receive the same word together, when we all sacrifice after busy weeks and busy days to drag ourselves to where the meeting's happening and say, give us the word, we want the word. One thing that has marked Christians for a couple thousand years is that they love to gather to hear someone from their number teach the word of God. Not because of the teacher, but because of the teaching. And this teaching, the apostles' teaching, it's not just the men who were speaking, it's the, the, the counsel of instruction they were providing. The teaching is the showcasing of the gospel of the grace of God as the theme of and as the context of the whole counsel of scripture found throughout every page of the Bible. And no wonder there's such a devotion and a trembling before God's word for those born again, right? His, his word is our food. It's food for our very souls. We're those who, who remember we can't live by bread alone. We don't live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God, right? His, his word is the lifeblood for the church. And when we come together, not only do we benefit ourselves, we instruct each other on the crucial importances of this is what we do. We are the people who sit and listen to God address us. And saints, this can cool down in your soul. It's so sweet to see new believers. I love watching new believers because they do all the stuff in reflex we all should be doing. Right? It's so sad how often we see the zeal of a new convert become cooled as they get comfortable with Christ. Has any of your devotion cooled, saint? We all know what it's like to have cooled affections. We don't want to let those things cool over. And we understand why the activity keeps us warm. May never be said of any of us, right? Though we, we always want this to mark us, right? The, the reason this affection often cools is it's just because of unchecked pride in ourselves. Right? We want to labor to be those who are easily edified, eager to hear the word of the Lord, no matter what the word is. This is what marked them. Uh, you remember Mary and Martha in Luke 10, right? Where Mary, Martha was doing a bunch of serving, but Mary was sitting at the feet listening, sitting at Jesus' feet listening, and, and Jesus says she chose right. Well, in this text, this church, at least in this moment, was a Mary church, a community who loved to sit at his feet and listen to his teaching. They were marked by choosing the good portion, sitting at the feet of Jesus, listening to his teaching. I've only seen something that resembles revival once in my lifetime. And one of the things I remember is that it happened through a church that looked a lot like this. It just seemed, Pete, like you sent out, yo, let's get in the word, and there'd just be, God was at work by his spirit and, and gave an appetite for his word to his people. They were encouraging each other in that word, spending time in that word, and God was blessing the ministry of the word in his people. Uh, this church, the Christ they had come to love, they were now eager to regularly hear his voice teaching them. That's what's occurring here. It's not that it was the teaching that originated in the men, the apostles, but remember the apostles were tasked with teaching the word of Christ. The reason they listened to the apostles is because they were teaching them the word of Christ. This is what Paul says of the church, 1 Thessalonians 2. We thank God constantly for this, that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it, not as the word of men, but as what it really is, the word of God which is at work in you believers. Uh, the apostles were uniquely taught by Christ so that they could teach the church. And those apostles taught the church to continue this devotedness to the teaching. 
And we're called to continue this devoted to the teaching. We have the same teaching. That teaching was written down. These apostles said, hey, gather when your leaders crack open the word, gather there. It's the same teaching. We're not surprised to find an affection for God's word marking the life of the Lord Jesus himself. Right, this church is, is acting like their head. He who's called the word made flesh. Even at a young age, we're told the Lord Jesus missed the bus home because he was devoted to the teaching. After three days, his parents couldn't find him. So I'm lost, right? And they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking questions. No one had the word of God dwelling in them like Jesus. No one could abide in the commands of God like Christ. And every day we're told, even in the scriptures, his pattern was to go into the temple and to teach and to preach. Every opportunity he was teaching his disciples, even after he ascended, he promised them the helper would come to continue teaching them. And oh, he knew them all so very well. That is the teaching. He knew the commands of God so very well because he was so devoted to them that he could fulfill every part of God's law for us. The reason we have a perfect righteous standing before God is because Jesus lived out a perfect devotion to God's teaching. Oh, the early saints understood that to have the word of Christ dwell in them richly, they must be devoted continually to his teaching as a body. How are we doing? As a, as a church, is that what marks us? We, we, we like to sit under his word together. It's what marks us. Is it what marks us? Second thing, we're told that we're devoted to the fellowship. Now this is, we might need a fresh, this is a booster shot because we in COVID, right? It's been a while since we've been connecting it's good for us to check the pulse and see how something's cooled. They were devoted to the fellowship. 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 Uh, the enjoyment and expression of our shared participation in Christ. To be united to Christ means to be united to his people. Remember, it's a family affair. Our experience of the grace of God is connected to our fellowship with his people. Isolated saints cannot be muscular ones. Our union with Christ means, right, it means experiencing the share, experience the experience of sharing what was ours with him and what is his with us. Uh, we, 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 now, in our relationship with Jesus, right, we bring all the debt. We bring all the sin. We bring all the sorrow. And Christ was made to bear all the consequence. What was ours became his, right? In order for him to be with us, he had to become like us and suffer for us. Only then could we enjoy fellowship with God in peace. We're told that to save us, he came to share in our experience. Right? He came to fellowship. He himself, Hebrews says, likewise partook of the same things that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. And deliver us he did. Right, we, we brought all this sin and Jesus so came to be with us. He so came to, you know, he took our debt and our death on himself. And he did that to deliver us. And this is what he did at the cross. He, he paid for our sin. And then he, he shared his perfect life with us. He tasted death for us all and then he rose from the dead so that we might share in the newness of his life. 
And that's the, the gospel call, is that God is willing to share his eternal life with anyone who comes for it. Anyone can get a share in God's eternal life. And that's what we have as his people. We have a share in Christ. This is why the Bible says that he's qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. That means that we share in his sufferings. We share in his death. We share in spiritual blessings. We share in his reign. We share in the Holy Spirit. In Revelation, we're, we're said that we are those said to have a share in the tree of life and in the holy city described in this book. You read Revelation like, yo, that's wonderful. Well, because of Jesus, you got to share in it. All of which, right, Hebrews 3.14 says, it's for those who have come to have a share in Christ. And you get that share just by turning from sin and believing in the Lord Jesus, following the Lord Jesus, putting your all in him, leaving the crooked and perverse generation and then stepping into the kingdom of his beloved son, standing within the community of his people, having your identity now be one of the people of God. And the church is a picture of what it looks like to share Jesus together. Now we share all we have in Jesus with all of those that Jesus has shared it with. That's what it means to step into the church. It's the commonwealth of Christ, baby. And what happens is the body in the body is all the saints share all they have in Christ with all the ones Christ has shared it with. I found out a couple years ago I have a brother who's like 48. And I said a couple years ago, I mean like two years ago. And when we met, it was so strange because on one hand we're family, but all we share is DNA. We don't have anything else to partake of together. We don't have anything else to share to fellowship in. But when I meet a Christian, I mean, hi, my name's Bill, and I'm a believer. When I meet a Christian who I share nothing according to the flesh with, we actually share everything that you could possibly value. We share everything of eternal significance. That's why the familial bond of the people of God is so strong because our Jesus is so full. Oh, to share Christ is to share everything. Remember, Paul, they, were, they, they had factions. They were dividing. Do you remember one of the things he tried to teach them? He says, wait, none of y'all have more than the other. He said, all things are yours whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or what's present or the future, all are yours. You are Christ's and Christ is God's. And the saints, they, they, they seek to live that out. He shared what with me? We get to fellowship with God? And part of that, saints, looks like experiencing that, expressing that through his people. That, that's one of the ways we get it. One of the ways we experience what we share in Christ is by the people Christ has shared it with. And our Lord Jesus did this best, did he not? Oh, he shared it all with us. You talk about fellowship. John 15, the Lord Jesus says, I'm not even calling you servants no more. Servant doesn't know what his master is doing. I call you friends because all that I have heard from my father, I've made known to you. He says, I shared it. Oh, his example, right? He shared that. His righteousness, he shared that. His sacrifice, he shared that with us. His father, 
He shared that with us. His spirit. He shared him with us. His rule. His reign. He shares that with us. His kingdom. He shares that with us. His body. He shared that with us. His character. He shared that with us. Right? We get to become partakers. Fellowship of the divine nature. We... we he shared it with us. His resurrection, he shares it with us. His home, he shares it with us. His very self, he shares it with us. All things he shares with us. He says, listen, if God didn't withhold his son, right, but he graciously gave him up for you all, how will he not also with him graciously? He'll give you anything. Oh, he shares his glory and his love with us. Jesus was praying, John 17. He says, the glory that you've given me, I've given to them. He shared it with us. He says that they may be one, even as we are one, I and them, you and me, that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and that you love them even as you love me. Oh, Jesus says all that I got, I want them to have a share in it. And that's the feel of a saint. The feel of a saint. And, the, and God's given them a family to show it to. Listen, all that I got is yours. My house is your house. My car is your car. My money, I don't have a lot, but it's yours. My family's yours. My couch is yours. All I have is yours. Because Christ has shared his stuff with me. And he shared his stuff with you. And that's what it's, that's why it's supposed to feel like when we spend time together. And if, if we were thinking that, we would spend a lot more time together. And that's what's happening to these saints. This is what shaped these saints. No wonder they were always together, daily together. We might read that and be like, oh, that sounds... Exhausting. And I, introverts, I feel you. I feel you by faith. Amen. You know, it's, I know it's a struggle. But look, if, 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 we, if we process that way, right? No, no wonder they were together all the time, daily even, having all things in common, sharing their possessions as any had need, sharing their homes, sharing their food, sharing their burdens, sharing whatever they could. They got that from Jesus. And we get to do this too. We get to do this too through hospitality, through generosity, through conversation, through singing, through being together, just having our presence together and saying, God loves you and so do I, through rejoicing and through weeping and through hoping. Fellowship is us experiencing and expressing all we share in Christ, which is everything. Oh, it marked them. May it mark us. Next thing is the breaking of the bread. I understand this to apply to the, the Lord's Supper. Seeing that meals would have been a regular part of the people of God, and at those meals they would regularly do what Jesus called them to do a lot, and that is to remember him. I believe it's that and that the breaking of bread. And Jesus has added Christian meaning you cannot unsee once you see it together. When you hear breaking of bread as a Christian, you think his body broken for us. And the Lord Jesus literally lived this out. Without Christ, there's no church. Without Christ, there's no Lord's Supper. There's no family. There's no hope. But Christ has died. Christ has been raised. And from the beginning, he says, don't you forget it. Jesus commands that his death, his burial, his resurrection be proclaimed in the church, in every church throughout all the ages. I did this, I did this, I did this. And he gave this ordinance and this sign showing it. So when we gather, we're to regular my heat. Look what he did. Look what he did. Look what he did. Paul says, whether we eat or drink or whatever we do, do all for the glory of God. And nowhere do we eat and drink more for the glory of God than in this ordinance and this sign of the Lord's Supper. 
It's a direct command from Jesus himself. The apostle Paul wrote, I received this from the Lord and I gave that to you, the apostles teaching. Oh, let us remember that this gathering is a family that has been formed by the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. It's hard to hold a grudge when you remember what the Lord's Supper means. It's hard to be discouraged when you remember what the Lord's Supper means. I got a lot of problems, but I'm saved. I got a couple of bodily issues, but a resurrection's coming. It's hard to feel down on yourself when you remember a Lord who's coming back for you. He says, don't, don't stop waiting for me. We proclaim his death until he comes. He says, keep waiting for me. Keep preaching me. Keep looking to me. Keep reminding yourself of what you have in me. Keep reminding yourself of all the benefits my body and my blood have bought. Keep reminding yourself of the new covenant, the new arrangement you have in my blood. Always forgiven, always family, and I'm coming back to bring you home. No wonder they did it. They got to, let's, don't take the Lord's Supper again. Right, he bought it all. He died for them all. Let it be regularly preached through sermons in this sign that I came into this world to save sinners and I make them one with myself, one with each other, and I'm coming back for all the ones I died for. Um, when we did membership class, when we started here, we used to always read J.C. Ryle's thoughts on the Lord's Supper. I believe it's found in practical religion and I'm just going to give you a few of them because they're so great. We talk about means of grace. Well, what grace does it give? And listen to what he says the effects of the Lord's Supper are. Right reception of the Lord's Supper, he says, has a humbling effect on the soul. The sight of the bread and wine or juice as emblems of Christ's body and blood reminds us how sinful sin must be if nothing less than the death of God's own son could make satisfaction for it or redeem us from its guilt. Never should we be so clothed with humility as when we receive the Lord's Supper? We hold that and we're like, man, this doesn't even feel expensive. And don't, don't, don't start applying that, though, to what it represents. It was, you being saved was expensive. And he, he paid it happily for you. He says, right reception of the Lord's Supper has a cheering effect on the soul. The side of the bread broken the wine poured out, it reminds us how full, perfect, and complete is our salvation. Those vivid emblems reminds us what an enormous price has been paid for our redemption. Right reception of the Lord's Supper has a sanctifying effect on the soul. The bread and wine reminds us how great is our debt of gratitude to the Lord and how thoroughly we are bound to live for him who died for our sins. They seem to say to us, Remember what Christ has done for you and ask yourself whether there's anything too great you can do for him. He says, right reception of the Lord's Supper has a restraining effect on the soul. Every time a believer receives the bread and the wine, he is reminded what a serious thing it is to be a Christian and what an obligation is laid on him to lead a consistent life. Bought with such a price as this bread and wine called to his recollection, not he not to glorify Christ in body and spirit, which are his. The only one I would add, and you will be able to tell it won't sound as good, is that the right reception of the Lord's Supper has a unifying effect on the whole church. For if the love of Christ has so sacrificially covered all of our sins to be one with us, how could we not in love cover every sin and offense against us so that we might be one with his people? And it says nothing of the eager anticipation it produces as we regularly pronounce, he's coming back for us, he's coming back for us. And what an encouragement that is every week. You had a tough week and we remember he's coming back for us. He's coming back for us. He's coming back for us. And lastly, the last mark, 
last means of grace we're going to talk through today is the prayers. The prayers. Oh, just as the Spirit filled the community in prayer, he continues to have the church be devoted to prayer. Beloved, uh, building ourselves up in our most holy faith found in Jude, right, and praying in the Holy Spirit is connected with keeping ourselves in the love of God. Of the highest privileges Jesus shared with us, among them was the privilege of unhindered direct access to God. If you go through Acts, you will find the saints praying together as a family. The Holy Spirit fell in response to prayer. Ministers were identified in response to prayer. Missionaries were sent out in prayer. Clarity about the gospel was given in prayer. Deliverance from evil was secured in prayer. Uh, they prayed prayer. You'll find prayers of incense in Acts 12.5. Uh, prayers of in in intercession, not incense. Uh, our prayers are a sweet-smelling aroma to the Lord. Uh, you'll find prayers of intercession, Acts 12.5. Gospel opportunities connected with prayer, being filled with joy and boldness in response to prayer. Ministers are called to be devoted to prayer. If you go through the New Testament, you know what you'll find? All kinds of prayer. Prayers for growth and godliness, prayers for healing, prayer for understanding, prayers to know the gospel's depth. We see ministers struggling on church's behalf in prayer. Ministers asking the church to help them out in prayer. Paul says constant in prayer, right? Unceasing in prayer, sober in prayer, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer, and supplication, right? Together, the saints were committed to gathering, hearing God's word, reminding each other of the gospel, sharing what they have in the Lord Jesus and said, and let's talk to him. Let's talk to him. Oh, and the reason this marks the people of God is because if you go through the gospels, you'll see this commitment marked the Lord Jesus. No one more busy than Jesus and no one was found more constant in prayer than Jesus. Praying in private, praying with his people. They knew something was different about his prayers, which is why they were like, yo, teach us to pray. They saw powerful displays of glory in response to prayers, both at his baptism and at the transfiguration. It was said that they were in prayer. In his darkest moment, Jesus was praying with the saints. Y'all come pray with me. And though they failed, we know his prayers did not. Indeed, he secured the success of their faith by his prayers. And even now, in his resurrected glory, he ever lives above, seated on the throne of grace, to help us in our prayers and pleas for weakness. This is, this is what I think a gospel-shaped family does. By family, I mean a church. Let's look at the scale. How are we looking? Has any of these areas cooled in your life, Saint? We all ebb and flow. We all ebb and flow. Let me tell you about my walk. I have always seen a direct correlation with me personally between faithfulness in means of grace and rootedness in Christ. It is not rocket science, saints. When I start feeling like, oh, I don't got it. I don't need to hear the word this week. I got it last week. It's a short prayer meeting, though. It's like, mm. I don't really want to be with people right now. I'd rather just be by myself. I'm just telling you, the effects, it, it cools. And it cools by one degree at a time. Just like your room. Your living room does not jump from 75 to 35. Your car does not heat up that fast as much as we desire it to in the wintertime. It happens by degree. And so too with us. It's important to think these are things that should always mark us. Always. And when you feel worldly, when you feel Hard to, it's hard to rejoice in the Lord. When you feel that, I don't want to pray. When you feel that, I don't like listening to this anymore. When you, 
That's the times you need to give yourself to it all the more. What happens in, in, in our life is we trick ourselves, right? God lets you go low, like he lets you go low. We be trying to play around and God's like, okay. And we go low, we running on fumes and we're doing nothing, right? Just all flesh, right? And then he gives us clarity, like, because you're cool. And then we, we, we revert, right? We come back. I'm going back. I remember your first love. Repent and do the works you did at first. Look at a new believer. We have a couple in our church. Just look at what they do. What they just happen to show up for. And then read this passage. And I think you will find a lot of symmetry. Right? It's because it's, it's spirit wrought works. And that's what we do when we find, oh, I'm good. We start. Then you run back and then you start getting your energy back. You be all dehydrated, then you go, you get those means. And that grace starts coming, you start, okay. You start being able to identify the attacks of the devil, feeling strength to resist sin, find yourself rejoicing in the Lord, being more heavenly minded, and then we, we start drifting again. Like, I'm cool, I'm cool, I did that. It's been like six months. I'm going I'm to pick it up next week. The Christian life is being steadfast in the right things. I just want you to know, you will not do damage to your soul if you commit in your heart to never miss a Sunday, never miss a Bible study, never miss a prayer meeting when you can. You will not do your soul any damage. You will only receive grace. Saints, are there any ways that you've let your soul go? I have never seen an unwell soul who was devoted to these activities. I'm saying this as your pastor. I've never seen it. You can tell by how someone sacrifices to wrap their life around the saints. You, you can tell by their devotion among the people of God. You can tell how well their soul is doing. We're supposed to be able to. It's a way we get to show our love for Jesus. It's how we know. Let, let's not think of this as an end-all, be-all. Remember, the, the passage keeps going. There's, 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 there's grace upon grace. There's so much grace to enjoy. Jesus is, has opened up to us this oasis of grace. Said, Come get some. But we should see this, it's not everything, we should see this as an irreducible starting point. Oh, you would be helped if you resolved to never be found without this pattern as your pattern. I mean, we, we've seen this, remember when we was like, oh, we opened up Bible studies, right? Say out if you can't say amen, right? We opened up Bible studies, right? The first two Bible studies, everyone's like, yeah, let's go. First one was packed. We had, we had two. We had the first feature and the second feature, right? And at this point, there's probably like eight of us there. What happened? Prayer meetings. Oh, we want our prayer meetings full, saints. We, we want our prayer meetings full. We need you there. We need you there. Let's call out to God together. Let's sit under the word together. Let's fellowship. Again, it's not an end-all, be-all. But let this be our pattern. Again, we're, we're, we're commanded to be fit in soul. Right? There's e eternal benefit to that. I'm encouraged that despite my externals, I can have a fitter soul than my body. We all need to remember, don't let yourself go. Don't let your soul go. And I have to, I regularly have to come here for my own self. I'm not eating any different food than you eating. Are we eating from the same plate? Are we, I need the same nourishment. I need the same helps. I get to partake of the same grace. And I think we should look at this inspired picture and spend time looking at it, meditating. I'll ask God, say, God, have I cooled in any ways? Would you warm me up? Would you warm me up?
And if there's any recognition in any here today, it's like, you know, I've gotten a little sloppy. Listen, that's going to happen through the whole of our Christian life. You can turn right now. That can stop right now. One thing I love about Miss Karen and Mr. Kim, Miss Karen just turned 70 this week. And I've had the joy of being their pastor for a few years. And when I tell you constant, they constant. And what I've seen comes with that is a stable soul. Well in the Lord. Not tossed to and fro. Rooted, built up, established in the faith, abounding And I've seen many different other examples of that in this flock. I was telling Sister Ty earlier, she thought, I don't know if she's here. She probably don't want to raise her hand at that point. Sorry. <laughs> I said, Ty, how you doing? She said, I'm doing good. I said, I know you. Because I've watched you preach for years. Look like you. Oh, saints, stay here. This is what Jesus told his disciples. Listen, it's going to get, life is crazy. Life is crazy. He says, but abide with me. Abide, remain. Remain. What does it remain look like? It looks something like this, I think. Praise God indeed. Oh, commit to, to, to and, and here's some things for the one that feels like, I feel sloppy with it. I feel cool with it. I want to give you some suggestions. Commit to coming to prayer and Bible study for the rest of the year. Commit not to Commit to not miss a service as long as you are able-bodied. Reach out to some saints today. Just grab a piece of paper, write down a couple names and say, I need fellowship. I need you. I need to experience that share in Christ. And what you will find, what you will find, I promise you this, because I think God promises us this, is you're going to bear you're going to receive what saints have received always, and that is grace upon grace upon grace. Oh, dear Lord, we thank you so much for the Lord Jesus. We thank you so much for bringing us into the body of Christ. What a privilege it is to be members in the family of God, to be in the household. Lord, I ask, I ask that you would help us. Help us to be a picture that sits right on top of this one. Help us to enjoy your word. Help us to enjoy your people. Help us to enjoy the breaking of bread. Help us to enjoy the prayers. Help us to be faithful in it. Help us to grow from it. And may it have a similar effect on ours, would all wash over us continually. Help us to grow in love for Jesus. Help us to grow in being rooted in him. Help us to grow in, in seeing him clearly and hearing his voice crisply. Help us to grow in having a love and affection for him. Help us to grow in obedience. Help us to grow in putting to death the deeds of the flesh. Help us to, to grow. And we know we, we only grow when we're planted in the soil you've provided. When we sit under the sun you have shining. We're watered in the way that you've called us to be positioned. Now bless us. Bless, bless, bless our congregation. Bless our congregation. And we ask these things in Jesus' name.